All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite Georgetown Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm joined today, special guest Ben Steele from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. You can find him at Ben Steele, MJS on Twitter. Georgetown hosts Marquette on January 2nd, 7.30 Eastern time on CBS Sports Network. It's going to be the Hoya's first game in over a week. Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Bobby, appreciate you having me on. Excited to make my maiden voyage on the podcast here. So, first of all, Ben, I hope you had a happy holidays, and I hope you're going to have a happy new year here. We are recording this on the 30th. It should be up later, just to give everyone a perspective. So, let's jump in. Let's just avoid the COVID for a second. Let's jump in on Marquette. Marquette is 5-5. Five and five. They are one and three in the conference, a really good non-conference win against the Badgers, a good conference win against Creighton, two close losses, close-ish losses, and then Villanova in the last outing on the 23rd, which is also when Georgetown last played, Villanova kind of did what Villanova does sometimes. Mm-hmm. So what's going on in the first 10 games of the post-Marcus Howard Marquette Golden Eagles? Yeah, this is a... Uh... I know for your listeners who've watched Marquette the last four years, and and you mentioned Marcus Howard, this is a good, it's a different looking team than um, if you guys haven't seen, if anybody listening hasn't seen Marquette play this year. Really different team. They're probably used to seeing Marquette bomb away on three pointers. Uh, yeah. This team this year is more geared towards getting the ball into the post. Uh, they got two uh, really good freshmen. Uh, Freshman forwards, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Dasa Garcia and Justin Lewis. They play near the basket. Uh, Theo John seems like he, he's been around in college forever, but he's still there. And uh, they're feeding him in the post. His offensive game has really developed. Um, and DJ Carden, the new point guard, uh, is really good at breaking down defenses and getting in the lane and 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 attacking defenses that way. So it's it's a really different Marquette team and. You mentioned their schedule. It's pretty tough December for Marquette. You know, started off, they lost to Oklahoma State on the, the first, December 1st. And you mentioned the two. They've got two top 10 victories. They beat Wisconsin and Creighton. But they also lost at UCLA. And then once the Big East season started, it was Big East did, didn't do uh, Marquette any favors with uh, the tough schedule there, man. They played Creighton, Seton Hall. Xavier, who's a lot better than people thought, and Villanova, right, at their first four games. That's a pretty tough stretch, especially for a team like Marquette, who's introducing a lot of new faces this year, and they're still, we're still kind of following, you know, finding their way a little bit, and I think that December schedule kind of wore down on them, and they, they needed this long break right before the Georgetown game, for sure, because I think that second half against Villanova, Villanova just blew Marquette out of the water and it, it looked like this this Marquette team just needed just needed a, a break after a tough December. Well look, Georgetown fans know all about tough second halves against Marquette. Georgetown was actually up again I'm sorry, against against Villanova. Georgetown was yeah. up eighteen on Villanova yeah. Yeah, and then Villanova kind of kind of flipped the switch there. So the firepower offensively is still there. You know, everyone Marcus Howard, Marcus Howard, Marcus Howard yeah. What were the expectations coming in offensively? Because, you know, you guys landed three top 100 recruits, including one guy that, you know, people around here kind of 
go back and forth on if Baltimore is going to get lumped into the mm. area. But when you talk yeah. about recruiting, I think it kind of does. What's sure. what sort of how are they replacing Marcus Howard? And I think it's probably going to be the whole it's a team effort. Yeah, uh, you know, going into the season, I just I had no clue how how, how what this team was going to look like just because you know Marcus Howard just took up so much of the oxygen yeah. on the offense last year. You know, he was basically. The offense was basically Marcus Howard a bust last year, for good and for worse, especially at the end of the season. No one else could get anything going, and he was the only only guy carrying the team down the stretch. So it's much more balanced this year. And the two guys you mentioned, two freshmen that are playing the most, Dasa Garcia and Justin Lewis, they're really good, really versatile you know, forwards. Garcia's 6'11". He's a really good shooter from the outside, really versatile can handle the ball, still kind of getting used to banging down low against the college types, you know, as as a freshman forward, you know, as as you would expect out of a freshman forward. Justin Lewis, the guy from Baltimore that you were talking about, he's just, I think he, he's exceeded expectations. I knew he was, all the coaches really liked him when they were recruiting him just because he's got a really good nose for the ball, nose for rebounds. Got really long, long wingspan. I think his wingspan's like seven two. He's listed at six seven, I think. But his arms are really long. He's got huge hands, so it lends itself pretty well to rebounding. And and he's just been like awesome on the uh, on the glass this year, including the the tip end winner against Wisconsin at the buzzer on rebounding a a missed free throw with you know point four seconds left. But he's one of the highlights I think, of the year. But, yeah, for sure, and. What's really impressed me with him, I think he has a, a really good shooting touch. He's still developing as a shooter, but he's hit, uh, you know, a decent. I can't think of his uh, three-point shooting numbers off the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me, but it's pretty good for you know a guy that wasn't expected to be a shooter. And he plays with just a certain amount of poise. He's not afraid of the moment uh, like that that highlight against Wisconsin, but also just backing down opponents. Just doesn't seem to get rushed and. Yeah, it's really good, really good on the post. And like I said before, that's that's where this Marquette team is playing this year, kind of kind of closer to the basket instead of bombing, instead of the you know the Marcus Howard forty footers. It's it's you know left handed hooks in the lane. So Dawson Garcia, you know, you mentioned his shooting numbers and at his size, how have teams kind of been guarding him? As yeah, I think uh, just because you can't you can't really pressure. have a traditional big on him, maybe. Yeah, because he can, he's really, he can handle the ball really well. He'll get around, uh, you know, a bigger guy. And he, he's, he's also a really good passer. They kind of play this, this high-low game with, uh, you know, it'll be Dawson Garcia up at the top of the key, either Theo John or Justin Lewis down on the blocks. Okay. And that's kind of, they kind of try to exploit whatever big, big guy, you know, mismatch that, that the opponents throw at him that way. And then two, transfers that are big part of the offense there or just big big part of the team you're kind of you know I think Marquette's kind of getting what they were hoping to get from Kobe McEwen coming from Utah yeah. State and then DJ Carton was able to play immediately from Ohio State yeah yeah DJ is still like you know he he left Ohio State like in, in late January last year so okay he's he's still kind of you know it's still He's still adjusting to to the new team, uh, and you know they didn't get a lot of practice over the summertime, you know with COVID and everything at Marquette. So 
is still kind of finding his way, especially like turnover wise. This has been a big, the biggest issue for Marquette probably this year has been turnovers, which I think has to do with all the new phases that we've, we've been talking about. It's just, they're, they're still struggling to just to find that, that offensive identity and, and, and DJ turned it over, you know, a fair amount this year, but he's still, he's, he's super quick and he's super athletic. Like he'll, you know, He'll dunk. He won't hesitate to dunk on you in the in the huh. in the lane. Like he 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 can get up and punch it on you. Um. So, and he shot the ball, you know, pretty well. I think he's around 38% on three. But his strength is definitely, you know, attacking off the dribble and you know, breaking down defenses and 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 kicking the ball out. You know, if if the defense collapses on him. So that's that's also contributing to that different look of, of of Marquette and Kobe. Yeah, I think Kobe's really you know playing next to Marcus last year with this. That was uh, Kobe's first season at Marquette. Yeah. Um, he was kind of forced into you know handling the ball a little more. I think his natural he's found his natural position playing off the ball this year with DJ kind of handling the ball more. Um, and and Kobe also last year he played most of the year with a thumb injury on a shooting hand, which obviously has affected his uh, shooting numbers. I think at the end of the year, I think he was down to like, you know, 25% on threes, but he's definitely shooting it a lot better this year, more confident from the outside. And yeah, it's just more natural as a shooting guard. So I think that that's helped him. He's probably been Marquette's, Kobe McKeon's probably been Marquette's most consistent player this year. Which is what you would want from someone in their fourth year of eligibility mm-hmm. about this team. So I like to use Ken Palm. I don't know if you're if you're a pro Ken Palm or Definitely. or what, but they've got Marquette. You know, if you want to look at the simulation, they got them. You know, five hundred in the Big East, fourteen and mm-hmm. twelve. Did the Wisconsin win change people's perspectives maybe a little bit? And is is this a team that you think? Obviously, it's very early, and there's so much that we hope happens in college basketball going, yeah. going forward. Do you think that this is a team that is going to be in the mix for an NCAA tournament bid, or is it more of a reset after Marcus Howard? Yeah, I think like, like I said, going into the year, I wasn't quite sure what to expect from Marquette. And I kind of just by default just said, you know, middle of the pack, big East team. And I thought they would be like a fringe NCAA tournament team just because the, yeah. new, the new players are super talented. And I figured that, they would sneak a couple wins here and there, but yeah, after being Wisconsin and, you know, that's a super veteran, really good Wisconsin team. And Marquette Marquette played really well in that. Didn't turn the ball over a lot, uh, played good defense. So I think that definitely raised what I thought the ceiling would be. Um, And then they kind of, you know, those last three games that they've lost, they've kind of struggled, but I, I, I definitely see the potential after seeing that Wisconsin game. I definitely, definitely think it's an NCAA tournament team and, if they finish, you know, around 500, that that's a big win that'll that'll push them over the over the goal line to mix sporting metaphors, but <laughs> into the NCAA tournament win. But yeah, I think I think this is definitely an NCAA tournament team. They definitely still have a lot of growth that they can do, just evident from the the last three losses. Okay, so I'm here with Ben Steele from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Ben, I don't know where you were last year. I don't know if you made it to New York or not, but I was actually there. Uh-huh. Georgetown played on that Wednesday yeah. and Thursday. There was only, you know, a Creighton St. John's made it to halftime. Mm-hmm. In this COVID era, what sort of has been the issues possibly that have affected Marquette? Georgetown, 
was one of the last schools to kind of get everyone back to campus. First of all, did you make it to New York yet? If you did, how did that end up, you know, going (laughs) with your whole travel plans? And then what sort of pauses or resets or what have been the challenges that Marquette's faced off the court dealing with COVID? Yeah, it's crazy that thinking back to that New York trip, because Marquette actually finished the regular season at St. John's that Saturday before the Big East tournament at the Garden. Okay. So I just I just stayed in New York. So I was in New York for like a week. Oh, well, there, luckily like... it wasn't a dangerous place to be. <laughs> and, you know, it, I, I got to see the whole, you know, development. Because when, you know, COVID was actually, you know, if you remember back to that time, it was like, it was ramping up. People were starting to like saying, what's going on? What's going on with this? And it was all, you know, at that time, it was just like, wash your hands. Just wash your hands. Yeah. That's all you got to do is wash your hands. So that's why all I was doing when I got to to New York that that uh, that Friday before the Saturday game at the Garden because it was an early afternoon game, um, so yeah, I was like washing my hands. You know, they were really chapped, but I was still, you know, I was still <laughs> going out to you know the bars still you know around Madison Square Garden after the game, and there were still crowded restaurants, and and it started you know that those next couple games before the Big East tournament, that was when people just started saying, you know, is, is this a good idea? Should we have packed arenas? And, you know, and it, the the fear just started ramping up from there. And that yeah, Wednesday... So, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, so, you know, Georgetown played the first game that night on the yeah. Wednesday. They played St. John's in a really a, a, you know, if you're neutral, it was an awesome game. Georgetown was up was, big, yeah. and then St. John's came back. So it was a very interesting game for the the annual eight nine meeting with the Hoyas and the Red Storm. But there was a, you know, yeah. Creighton was the one seed, and there I was, you know, sitting on the court, and there was a bunch of Creighton fans because they were and at that point yeah. they already knew. I think the Big East had announced maybe right yeah. before Georgetown that fans weren't going to yeah. be allowed back in the next day. So they were just trying to live it up, knowing that they weren't yeah. going to get back in the arena. But they were at least hopeful to just yeah. kind of be in New York and watch Creighton hopefully yeah. make a run and then you know whatever's going to happen in the uh, NCAA tournament but so you were in you were you were there for St. John's I covered Georgetown Villanova for the Associated Press mm. and what, during the game I got a bunch of email direction to you know hey ask Jay Wright about COVID and I'm just yeah. like you know people are going to look at me like I'm crazy <laughs> and you know what a what a completely different perspective I have on that so Marquette never got to play no and then, so it, it really unfortunate end to Marcus Howard's career, obviously. Yeah. But then as far as the current group, I think you guys had maybe a, a pause during the summer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was actually right before, a month before the season started. Okay. So it was late, late October. They paused for two weeks. There was a positive test among the player and, and the women's team too, actually had to pause at the same time. So... I think that that's kind of affected, like I mentioned, the turnovers and and how this Marquette team still kind of feeling its way toward its its identity offensively and defensively. I think losing those two weeks really because there's so many new faces and and the returning faces are in, thrust into bigger roles this year too. So I think that really that two week pause kind of held back how you know the develop the development of this team and. You've seen how just how inconsistent Marquette has been, you know, in the, in this five and five start, just the highs of of being two top ten teams and and some frustrating losses mixed and in, thrown into that mix too. I think that 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 two week pause is uh, looms pretty big as far as just how this team just hasn't found the consistency yet. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in hearing how other schools are handling it or just because there's just so many different paths and so many different ways that teams have had to start, stop. And, you know, we've seen the Big East DePaul just played their first yeah, game. Crazy. So as far as the games, Marquette's playing in, in their normal, and this is obviously the, this meeting with Georgetown is going to be in D.C., but mm-hmm. Marquette's playing in the normal arena. Are there fans? Are there media? Can you kind of just walk me through what's going on? Yeah, no, no fans, no media, uh, just essential team personnel only. Okay. They still got a DJ in there though, still, still, still okay. hyping up the. Uh, so they tried. They still got the ambient noise, ambient crowd noise, and the DJ there to kind of give some sort of life to this, you know, huge seventeen thousand seat arena that's that's empty. Um, yeah, no media allowed. Uh, that's that's just not that's not just the Marquette thing. That's actually the city of Milwaukee uh, kind of ban on on gatherings, even though there's a lot of people in the arena. They're not they don't want to add any extra people to it. So yeah. the, the the Milwaukee Bucks aren't allowing any media into Pfizer Forum either for their oh, really? either. So yeah, interesting. Okay, not so just, I worked I worked Wizards. Thing. I worked Wizards. They they actually played a, the the very rare home back to back against Orlando. So mm. I was there Saturday and Sunday. They are allowing media, but it's definitely a really weird environment. But Georgetown's playing on campus, so yeah. the facility is different. So yeah. um, we're not we're not allowed to be there. Do you have any idea of when that might change? Is there some sort of like yeah. reevaluate at some point? I figure they would reevaluate it for the new year. Obviously, they're playing on the road, Georgetown this game, but I think their next home game is Tuesday against Connecticut. So I haven't heard anything yet officially about that. We're kind of just just going game to game, you know. Have you guys been getting a good deal of the players uh, on Zoom? Yeah, it's been, you know, hit or miss, you know, like. Okay. Definitely after every game, definitely get a uh, coach for sure. Sometimes the players can, the last couple of games have been losses on the road and, and they've tried to get out of there pretty fast. So they haven't made players available for those, but definitely a coach on Zoom every afternoon. So if we could go back. So you've been covering, this is your fourth year covering, covering mm-hmm. Marquette? Correct. Okay, so these now just try and hear me out. These aren't completely apples to apples comparisons, but there is okay. there are some similarities between what's kind of happened at Georgetown and what happened to Marquette. They're different, mm-hmm. but they're the overall theme of the changing team. So if we could just rewind 2018-19 season, Marquette's yeah. rocking and rolling. Marcus Howard's a junior. The Hauser brothers are there. Yeah. Um, you know, Marquette ends up losing their final four games of the season, including mm-hmm. dropping a home game to the Hoyas, which was kind of out of the yeah. blue. They still end up getting Marquette the five. Could have, Marquette could have clinched it. Marquette could have clinched share of the Big East title if they had won that game. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. It was actually a really entertaining game. I can actually remember it. I think I had Marquette going pretty decent run. I usually do. I'm, I'm kind of Big East biased in my brackets, which is why it's good. I don't put a lot of money on it. <laughs> Obviously a terrible matchup against Murray state, you know, <laughs> probably yeah. the best player in the country and everyone knows all yeah. about about you know John yeah. John Morant and then the preseason polls come out Marquette might have been a top five team yeah I think and the then, ESPN I had him at number three yeah and then how I'm connecting this is last year Georgetown had an exodus like no one's really ever seen but yeah. 
Marquette, you know, losing the Housers, which really surprising given the fact that Sam only had one more year left. You don't see a lot of yeah. guys do what he did. And looking back now, he had a city year where everyone pretty much doesn't sit anymore. How has the program sort of recovered from that? Obviously, last year was still going to be an NCAA tournament year. Mm-hmm. How has the program sort of recovered from that? And what from the outside is your impression of the fans? Because between the end of Crean and pretty much all of Buzz, it was a tur- it was a you know a tournament team that was making some runs. What's sort of the perception now? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a lot to to go through. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, but no, it's uh, how they've recovered from that. Yeah, it was definitely a pretty traumatic offseason. It was pretty head spinning couple of days because Marcus decided to come back for his senior year. I can't remember off the top of my head. It was in April, I think it was April, early April, and then three days later, Joey and Sam Howard's decided to transfer now you can yeah. connect the dots that right. way right right just i'm sure it's not as black and white as they didn't just want to play with marcus but you know marcus like we said like he he takes up a lot of oxygen on the offensive end and yeah. those guys said they wanted a better basketball fit joey ended up in michigan state sam ended up in virginia and you can connect the dots with you know they had a frustrating first round loss to murray state that you mentioned and you know michigan state and virginia two teams that have Currently gone deep in the NCAA tournament, and I'm sure they were looking for for that too. They've never explicitly said on the record what they're why exactly they they chose to lose lose Marquette. So there's a lot been a lot of speculation about that. You can kind of read between the lines there. But actually, you know, Marquette for as losing your second and third best players actually covered pretty well. Yeah. Going to you know like you mentioned, they were going to be an NCAA tournament team last year, and what. I was most struck by, you know, how recruiting goes. I was expecting the, the the negative recruiting forces from other coaches to be like, look, telling kids, you know, you don't want to go to Marquette. Look, they just lost their second and third best players. What's going on there? What's going on behind the scenes? They had, but they they had actually, a great class. Like, yeah, like we mentioned, like Dawson Garcia is a McDonald's All-American. Justin Lewis is, you know, a, a, you know, a top 75 kid that's probably even better than what we anticipated him being. And, you know, Oso Aguadaro is the other kid that we didn't mention, but he's kind of more of a project, but he's, I think he's going to be a really good player. He's just he's got, got, the got the physical schools. Yeah, physical potential for sure. So I was really – but I know that, you know, the coaches encountered some of that, you know, negative recruiting ability, but they were still able to land a pretty good class. The guys, they, they got three guys signed for next year that are actually pretty good too, a pretty good backcourt and a, a seven-foot guy that's kind of getting a little – was up under the radar and gaining some steam. So. On that on that front, they've actually recovered pretty well, I would say. Uh, and as far as the what yeah, the remember that is, was like a Ben. This, this was like a like a eight part question. <laughs> yeah, let me know if I hit. Let me know if I hit everything. You're doing yeah, it. As far as as far as the fan base is concerned, there's definitely a lot of angst. And I know as Georgetown fans, you know, we are are well acquainted with angst. Uh, your listeners are, but uh, you know, yeah. this is Steve Wojciechowski's seventh season at at Marquette. They don't have an NCAA tournament win. And they've been to the NCAA tournament twice. They would have been gone last year, so we got to throw that out the window. But the two times that they were in the NCAA tournament under Steve Wojciechowski, they got they blown out both times. Mentioned the Murray State one, and the first time around was South Carolina. But that was a year. It was a lower seeded team. But South Carolina, that was the year South Carolina went to the Final Four. Oh, you know what? And that was the year where most people and thought it was in the South bracket, Carolina. and most people had that bracket because wasn't wasn't Duke down there? So yeah, I think Marquette. Duke, but, yeah. 
Marquette was in the seven ten game, and then number two yeah. Duke was uh, sitting there. Yep, yep. So most people were anticipating that you know Wojo Coach K reunion in South Carolina, and they they moved the game from North Carolina to South Carolina because that was oh, the uh, the bathroom, uh, bathroom bill kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, so they lost that one. I think they were actually I can't remember if it was either a one or two point game at halftime, but then they just got blown out of the water in the second half. I lost that so, bracket yeah. as well. Yeah. Under, I, I notice a theme here. Yeah, you do. Do not <laughs> ask me for picks. <laughs> so, understandably, there's a lot of angst. And, you know, as you mentioned, there was, there, there was a lot of NCAA tournament success under Buzz, the previous, Buzz Williams, the previous coach, and then Tom yeah. Crean obviously got the team to a Final Four in 2003 with Dwayne Wade. So, this is a, a program that, ex, you know, spends a lot of money on basketball, expects a lot of on-court Returns, return of investment success. So, yeah, it's uh, a lot of angst, and they're just kind of, and just the last couple of years, they've just, just kind of been right there at, at getting over the hump, and they just can't quite get that, get into that, you know, get first couple NCAA tournament success. Because I think, like we mentioned, they've, they've recruited pretty well, and, you know, they're always in the NCAA tournament picture, but they haven't had that postseason success. And I think if they, if they get a couple wins in the NCAA tournament, you know, get a couple runs back-to-back years, I think that's just going to elevate the re- recruiting even more, and then you can build on success that way. But they just haven't quite got over the hump, and that's, you know, we're in that we're in that angsty period right now. Yeah, it seems to me like when you look around the Big East, if you're not Villanova, which is just kind of an unrealistic expectation to happen that often, that's why what they're doing is so special. You know, the NCAA tournament success for a lot of these teams that have been in the mix just really isn't there. Chris Mack left. Um, yeah. And then uh, who else was that had the success and left? The guys that have had the success, you know, the Providences, the Marquettes, the Seton Hall's really good regular season teams and hasn't translated to NCAA tournament. And it sounds like what you're telling me that the recruiting has kind of kept maybe the mob at bay a little bit because yeah. that's what's kind of happening at Georgetown is, yeah, you know, Ewing, sure. Ewing had never coached in college before. He had what was looking like NCAA tournament team last year, half the team split. You lose McClung yeah. in the off season this yeah. year, the expectations, you know, they're picked last, but their class coming in next year is supposed to be good. And that's kind of, that kind of, you know, does enough, right? Yeah, it's always you can always talk yourself into next year, you know, when you get a good recruiting class that always buys you buys you some time. But yeah, it's uh it's definitely gonna be an interesting season how they finish out this year and how the NCAA tournament goes and, and all that. If they have one. Um Yeah, yeah. The caveat hanging over everything, <laughs> of course. Have you heard anything about a bubble? Do you think a Big East bubble with, co- you know, a, a bubble with college players makes sense? I had Kevin McNamara on and we kind of mm-hmm. spoke, I think it was last month about ideally for him based on location, a bubble in Mohegan Sun would be incredible. Yeah. Do you hear anything about that? What do you, what are you sort of your thoughts on the idea of having a bubble with college players? Obviously the NBA bubble was, you know, really successful, but yeah. it's kind of different in that the players are all millionaires. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't spoken to anybody in the Big East about it, but I I think from what I understand, there's like contingency plans yeah. to kind of go to the bubble model. If like you know, three or four teams just get you know paused up and the schedule gets so thrown out of whack that you're gonna have to you know pivot to 
putting all the teams together and knocking out, you know, several games at, in a couple of weeks. Um, and I think probably what the best situation would be, yeah, the Mohegan Sun, you, like have the East Coast bubble and then like the for the Midwestern teams like Marquette and Creighton and Xavier and DePaul, uh, have that have a you know two di- two different bubbles and then kind of flip them back and forth if if need be you know what I mean yeah yeah um so how I feel about it oh man I you know it's definitely you know I, you know teams are going to play playing games in the middle of a pandemic anyway uh, <laughs> the whole thing yeah. is kind of you know it makes you whole thing makes you feel kind of squeamish at at some level so like is it is it different than what they're doing now um it's probably bubbles are probably safer to be honest but um it's also probably pretty costly for the big east to kind of put on you know so many teams and you got to have security and testing and and feed everybody and and hotel rooms for everybody so i think the cost is probably cost prohibitive for for the big east but um Morally, yeah. Morally, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but um, okay. I could talk myself into it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the whole season kind of makes me makes me a little squeamish to to put college kids out there. But you know, we're getting through it. We're doing it. So might as well do it and uh, get through it as best we can. I hope that we all get through it successfully. Quick hitter, <laughs> Ben. What yeah. should a Georgetown fan look to do if they road trip to a Marquette game? Oh, definitely. You know, Milwaukee, obviously known for uh, the stereotypical cheese and beer. Uh, So I would recommend hitting up one of our local corner establishment taps, um, trying some of the few local brews and getting some some fried cheese curds. Uh, Really nice, crispy on the outside, melty cheese in the middle. deep fried uh you could try the fresh curds too if if that's more your thing um but i would definitely live that stereotypical wisconsin beer and cheese existence when you get to milwaukee uh if you need any recommendations on places to go uh i will gladly gladly help you out uh i'm well versed in 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 the beers around town so i could definitely point you in the right direction do you have a, do you have a favorite so Two questions. Do you have a favorite, and yeah. is there one of your favorites within walking distance from the arena? Uh, you know, my favorite cheese curd, there's a place that, that makes fresh curds um, on the south side. It's called uh, Clock Shadow Creamery. Um, it's kind of in that tweener. It's like right it's it's close that you could you could definitely walk it i don't know if you would want to walk it in the winter time when it's like okay, minus okay. five you know what i mean it's like it's like in that tweener area but this clock shadow creamery they make these you know wonderful i don't know if you've ever had fresh cheese curds i don't know what your experience level is but if you if you get them fresh they kind of squeak when you bite into them That's, um i'm coming so up on dinner kind of here so this this sounds great <laughs> so i know that it's fresh and and but there's a there's a, a corner bar right around the corner from the uh, the creamery. Uh, it's called Camino. Uh, really cool, okay. really good selection of beers. But they they get their curds fresh from you know it's two doors down is the the, the cheesemaker. So they get the fresh awesome. curds there, and they you know deep fry them right there, and they're cheap. 
and it's just a good uh, good experience. Yeah, you could you could definitely walk there. It's probably a ten minute walk from the arena. But like I said, man, if it's minus ten out, you know, <laughs> might not want to do that. Yeah, I I suppose walking is always a matter of ambition, right? There's always a level. Yeah. Um. So I met you last year at the Georgetown game. What mm-hmm. do you like to do when you come to DC? Oh man, I love love DC. Uh, it's a good walking city. I, I I'm a I'm a walker. I like to when I go to a city, I just just walk aimlessly. Uh, okay. Had a had a good time last year. Actually, my wife was with me on the the Georgetown trip. She came for a couple days. So nice. yeah, we went to we went to the the African American Museum, which was really cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we walked around a lot. Uh, you know, did the mall thing. I had never been, I had never been that far down to the Lincoln Memorial. So I walked all the way down there. Uh, we were staying kind of by the white house. Um, okay. Was that 14th street? Is that, was that, does that make sense? I think it was 14th street, 14th or 16th. Yeah. 16th. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might've been 16th, but yeah, right around there. So yeah, we just walked around a ton, uh, went to some good restaurants uh went to a couple good bars yeah like uh i like dc just because it's so walkable you know it sounds like you would rank the dc road trip above where the coaches ranked georgetown in the poll oh yeah yeah i definitely put dc in the the top three or four oh i I like it i like it i like it we talked earlier about the non-conference win over wisconsin What's the non-conference opponent you'd like to see on Marquette's schedule or you think the fans would like to see outside of the Badgers? Ooh, that's a good one. Let me think, let me think about that. I mean, I guess Duke comes to mind just because of the coaching yeah, matchup. Duke. Yeah, that would be that would be a classic one. Yeah, any of those kind of classic blue bloods like Marquette played when Marquette won its national title in 1977, they beat North Carolina. So that's okay. always a good good matchup. Yeah, yeah, Duke would be a good one, North Carolina. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with either of those two. Biggest Big East rival in the eyes of the Marquette fans? Ooh, they always say, don't lose to DePaul. So that's what Marquette fans always say. I think losing <laughs> to DePaul hurts Marquette fans more than any other loss. Is that you because know, just, of just, DePaul is not really – I mean, you know, DePaul was a national power for a long time. Yeah. And before they got to the Big East and Conference USA, they had still been a team that was in the mix for tournament bids, and they've been nothing that resembles that recently. Is that because yeah. of just how bad they've been, or is it because of the longstanding rivalry? Yeah, I think it's a longstanding rivalry. It's the, the proximity. You know, a lot of people that go to Marquette are from the Chicago area. Um, okay. Yeah, and back when – late 70s and early 80s when both teams were like you know national powerhouses those were big games and you know they played a lot of classic games back then and then you know recently marquette likes to think it's above the the as advanced or kept its powerhouse status whereas you know DePaul's kind of faded a little bit and then right. so losing to to DePaul hurts and two of the worst losses that in that marquette has suffered during my time covering the team have been at DePaul so it's been uh <laughs> Definitely feel the extra, the angst that we were talking about before. I felt the extra angst after both those losses in my in my Twitter replies and emails and phone calls and all that. Best game or best moment you can remember in the series with Georgetown since you've been Ooh. following and covering? Since I've been, yeah, covering the team. Last year's game was, was pretty good. Uh, you know, Marcus kind of, you know, went over 40. What do you have, like 42 against last year, 43? Yeah, Georgetown fans are really excited. Like I know a lot of people are, but that Howard and Miles Powell are gone. I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think last year's game was pretty good. Actually, you know, 
two years ago was when Howard got hurt ago. early. Yeah, yeah, and then like Sam Hauser was, was had to kind of take over, and he and was he playing did. point guard. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was probably yeah, that was a pretty memorable game. And he he scored like Sam had like thirty that game. And then somehow they split the series, which is crazy. Yeah. The, the best the best Georgetown player since you've been covering the team. Who do you think's been the best Hoya? Oh man, yeah. Always big. Always like McClung. You know, just just from from his mixtapes all the way through the college <laughs> experience. So yeah. I I definitely bought into the the Mac McClung hype. But yeah, I I always liked I always like your seven too. Just okay. I, I like that classic low post traditional center type. And then this is a new one that I've sort of added because I've come up with my answer. And I'll tell you after you give yours, you deal with all the coaches. Who's kind of the best quote in the big East? Oh, Ed Cooley, man. My guy, Ed Cooley. You think so? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I just like, just like how he handles his business, man. He's just, uh, he seems like a cool guy that you want to hang out with and just, yeah, it's just, He's got those those years of experience, and I think it I think it shows in his uh, in his his repartee with the with the reporters. Yeah, I know who, he's who come in. Um, I've been covering Georgetown. It's almost been well. This this will be the tenth year that I've covered the team. I've followed him forever, but the tenth year that I've covered them for different outlets. But before he got it going at Providence, he did a pretty good job of coming in post game and giving some great quotes. Um, I feel like he's he's dialed it down a little bit. So my new favorite, my new favorite is Kevin Willard. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like Willard, yeah, just, he kind of just says whatever he wants. And I think he's got that whole Louisville patino and he kind of has yeah. that, that sort of way about him. But yeah, Ed Cooley, I definitely can't really argue with that because he came in and dropped some bombs when things weren't going well about <laughs> how much money they, they spend on the practice facility. And I think there was some sort of, you know, we have a $50,000 bleepity bleep and we went out there and did this today. And it was like, wow, yeah. you know, JT three doesn't really talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, I like Willard. And he's also got the good kind of back and forth with the New York, New Jersey writers. They kind of give it, give it to each other back and forth a little bit. Yeah. You have to. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, Jay, Jay Wright basically doesn't have to be like that. Jay's got his own smooth, cool, yeah, sure. you know, yeah. I'm sure behind the scenes he can give it out, but he's a much yeah. more, uh, I'd say, you know, nicer kind of guy yeah. when you, you know, of course it's easy to be nice, right? When you always win. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That gets you a lot of, a lot of leeway. Two national championships will buy you that. Well, I think we've come to the end here, Ben, and I really want to thank you for joining us um, as you cover yeah, Marquette man. for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Everyone I know is going to be watching Hoyas, Golden Eagles, the first game of the year for both schools, we hope, fingers crossed, January 2nd, 730 CBS Sports Network. You can follow Ben at, oh, I had this, at Ben Steele MJS on Twitter. He's a good Twitter follow. I follow. He usually, when I can see, responds to people. So sometimes we're good, sometimes we're bad. <laughs> well, you know, I think if we're going to be honest, Twitter is, you know, probably <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of interesting uh, participants on the, <laughs> yeah. on the, the uh, Twitter train. But everyone give Ben a follow. I appreciate it. And these teams will play again. So I hope to talk to you later in the season. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much.